Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. The other partner is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and Elizabeth is sitting across from me. We got all dressed up for the holidays. It's, it is the season. Uh, you're looking very festive, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you, Robert. I actually have a rain jacket on today. It's a little oh. wet in the desert. Now, come on. This is, this is audio only, so I figured we could pull it off. We were in tuxedo and, and evening gown, and no, you don't think anybody would buy that? Our party horns in hand. Yes, <laughs> Well, it is the end of the year. We're sort of stuck between the holiday season and the end of the holiday season, the new year. And uh, and I thought, Elizabeth, we could talk about a kind of an evergreen topic, one that we've talked about before, but it, it's I think people just really need to be reminded about gift giving. And to be clear, we are big fans of people making gifts. Gifts of money, gifts of property, gifts of stock, gifts of vehicles, whatever you want to give, we are very, very high on you making gifts. But there is almost no tax-based reason for you to make gifts, right? Unless, Robert, I think the point you might be getting at is unless you make a certain amount of gifts, you're really not going to be able to itemize when you do your own personal tax return. That is one thing that many people think about when they consider whether to make a charitable gift. Not only is it the right thing to do and maybe it feels good, but is there actually a benefit on their income taxes that they could derive? Is that where you're going? That is where I'm going. And of course, related to that, and people often misunderstand this. I'm surprised how often my clients seem to be confused by this. If you make a gift not to a charity, but to a family member, you get zero income tax benefit from that. They have zero income tax effect from, from that gift. So you don't get to deduct it. They don't have to claim it as income. There is one giant exception that we have to point out, and we will in a minute. But generally speaking, gifts to individuals are, are income tax neutral. Do you find your clients are a little surprised to, to understand that sometimes? So, Robert, I think that they are, and one thing that often goes unnoticed until somehow it comes up at a certain point, maybe when someone's died or in discussion with a person's CPA, sometimes people will make really considerable gifts. So gifts of real estate, say buy a son or daughter a home. And then we have to sometimes consider gift tax issues, particularly if somebody may have a taxable estate. Now, we don't see that many people, Robert, in our office who are married couples and who have estates of more than $25 million. But it is something to keep in mind, even if someone is not married and decides to start to make very large gifts and has a large estate, maybe in excess of $13 million, those kinds of gifts can affect how an estate would be treated at death. And right. so th these topics can get quick, quickly complicated and can also be, for many, many people, the source of some worry. And, and we don't want people to be worried about making a gift. Right. And that's exactly why they're so confused is because uh, the, the rules as applied to most people are actually pretty straightforward. 
But the exceptions are complicated enough that people worry that maybe they fall into one of the exceptions. Not very many people do. You know, the reason we don't see a lot of married couples worth more than $25 million is not because we don't want to, to represent those people. It's not because they, won't, they don't want us. It's because there just aren't very many of those people in the world. That's a lot of money. And, and that's the current limit for a married couple before we have to worry very much about either gift tax or estate tax. There are some exceptions and, and there's some circumstances, rare circumstances where we care at different levels. But uh, but that's kind of the big overarching one. Um, estate tax and gift tax are sort of interrelated, at least under the current system. Uh, Elizabeth, we need to issue the caveat that the rules are scheduled to change about the dollar amount. They're gonna It's going to go down so that I, worth less than a million dollars, need to worry about estate tax, right? Well, Robert, the good the good news is we have a little while to figure that out, but if they're going to go down, which they're supposed to sunset in 2026, the rules say that they're going to be adjusted for inflation, so we expect that adjustment to be more like $7 million a person, perhaps. And not a million? Correct. And, and so I can stop worrying? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, Robert, it just means that it's a consideration we need to keep in mind. Because you and Rhonda are married, you're going to have the benefit of what's called portability. So you're going to be able to put your exemptions together. And that total amount is going to be the amount that you don't want to exceed. And of, of course, who knows what Congress might do? They might reduce the estate tax limit to $1.50. But I don't think that's too likely, and I don't think anybody really anticipates it's going to go very much below the seven or eight million that you indicated is scheduled to, to show up in a couple of years. So um, most people still don't need to worry very much about estate tax. But I, I promised that we would talk about the one income tax consideration that does show up when you make gifts. And Elizabeth, you alluded to it when you said making gifts of property. So if if I have a house that I bought 10 years ago and you've been living in it and, and, and I'm choosing me and you precisely because this isn't limited to family members. This is any gift that you give. If I give you the house you've been living in that's got 10 years of appreciation in it, there's an income tax effect to you when you receive that house. Right, Robert. I'm not going to be receiving some special step-up in basis when you die. So one of the things that we often talk to people about is folks decide to hold on to real estate until a person's death just because at the point when someone dies, if they're holding real estate and, and that person might be the sole owner, the value of the real estate, the value might not change, but the tax effect is significant because the capital gains probably won't be such a dramatic effect for many people who've had significant gain as far as the value of the property from the date in which they purchased it and the date in which they died. When somebody makes a gift of real estate, you're not going to be able to convey a special step up upon your death to the person who you've gifted the real estate to. In fact, um, that person's probably going to be stuck uh, with basis that they're not going to be able to adjust. And I, I chose a house intentionally because there's another set of special rules for your residence. If I give you the house you've been living in for 10 years and then you turn around and sell it, well, you didn't have to wait for me to die to get the stepped up basis because there's a significant exclusion 
of taxation on your residence. But if we made that stock, if I bought some Apple stock 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, however long ago one could, and I gave you that Apple stock this year, you would be stuck with the income tax on the gains since I bought that stock. So that is the one income tax effect of making a gift that, uh, that you have to kind of keep in mind. And that only applies to gifts that have increased in value. The good news about cash gifts is they never have capital gains appreciation because a dollar bill never appreciates in value um, enough to, uh, that just doesn't appreciate in value. It's always worth a dollar. Well, Robert, these are good things to remember, and people oftentimes overlook a call to a CPA with a question like this, and it's so worth it if you do have a question to give a somebody who is a CPA or somebody who has a background in accounting or your estate planner uh, just a heads up that you're thinking about making a gift if it's a gift of, of significance. The one last thing we have to say about significant gifts is people come to see us all the time thinking they cannot make a gift of more than and. I'm kind of amused how often the the limit they have in their head is $3,000 or $5,000 or $15,000. In 2023, the actual limit is $17,000. In 2024, it will increase to $18,000. And if you give a gift of more than $18,000, you still don't pay any gift tax. So um, you do have to file a gift tax return if you make a large gift, but the gift tax return is just not a very big deal. It's not that hard to do. It doesn't impose any tax. It uses up some of your your uh, 14 or so million dollar lifetime exemption, but you don't pay any tax until the total amount you've given away over the, the 18,000 a year is $14 million. And for most people, they just can't ever get to $14 million of gifts. And Robert, just so folks listening understand, when we're talking about making a gift and, and you use the amount of the annual exclusion for 2023 of 17000 remember both you and Rhonda are able to make $17,000 gifts. Right. So we get this question from married couples assuming that because they're married, the 17000 that that's their combined amount. And no, that's not correct. You each are able to do 17000 And you know, even because Rhonda is way wealthier than me, even if Rhonda made the entire $34,000 gift, she can use my $17,000 exclusion. And she can make those gifts to five, seven, 20 different people if she wants to. That one is one gift exemption that is per recipient rather than per donor. So um, that's a pretty generous gift tax exclusion. I hope some of this helps clears up people's confusion about gifts and and the tax effect. Again, there's just pretty minimal tax effect. But do we think that you still ought to make gifts? Absolutely. People should be making gifts. And, And Robert, I guess one other note here. For those of you who are serving in a fiduciary capacity, so you may be serving as a successor trustee for somebody, or you may be serving as an agent under a financial power of attorney, it's incredibly important that you review the terms of those documents that authorize you to transact business, make gifts, do things with somebody else's property before you convey the property. So for somebody who is sitting at home and listening to us today, thinking about what kind of a holiday gift to make on a parent's behalf, using money from a parent's checking account, well, Please check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
because it's really, really important to take a look and see whether or not you are authorized to make gifts under this financial power of attorney that you might be relying on or under the terms of the trust that you may be working with. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you all for listening to us discussing gifts. Please be generous. It's the right thing to do, both with family members, other important people, and charitable organizations. Don't worry very much about the tax consequences. Pay attention to whether you have the authority to make gifts if you're making them on behalf of someone else. Um, all good advice, and, uh, and don't lose a lot of sleep, but feel free to come talk to us about your gift giving plans if, uh, if you're confused. I'm Robert Fleming. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are the two partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And Happy New Year. Talk to you next time.